Really and truly, my superpower is that I can synthesize a lot of information in a very short period of time and communicate it to people effectively. I became interested in practicing law because I admired Claire Huxtable, which everyone recognizes. That is a sound trademark. I really have had a very unusual journey. They really valued me, obviously, until they didn't. I love all this decision-making because this is what I do. Hello, all. Welcome to the Dre and Smiley podcast, the inner circle. The purpose of our podcast is for ordinary people living extraordinary lives to share their journeys with us. All right, so just a brief uh, bio that I put together here, Stacey. And, and Stacey Ann Taylor is the owner of her own law practice that specializes in business information, trademarks, and contract creation and negotiation. What's interesting, I thought, when I was doing my research, is that she discovered her interest, her desire to become an attorney at the very young age of 11 by being exposed to the matriarch of the Huxtable family. So we'll, we'll dive deep into that as we kind of follow your journey. So, so Stacy, what did I miss there? What would you add to that? And, and let's start there. Okay, well, thank you very much, uh, gentlemen, uh, for the introduction. I think you basically summarized uh, everything that, you know, people need to know. Uh, but yes, I think it'll be interesting to talk about uh, the fact that I became interested in practicing law because I admired Claire Huxtable from The Cosby Show. So I can't wait to yeah, get into that later. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so here's, here's the first question I would have. Um, what's interesting is that, you know, there are people that go their entire lives and really haven't discovered what their passion is, which is unfortunate. Um, and then there, there are those who are, um, in some cases, you know, I, I would say maybe a unicorn in some cases, who discover at a very young age that this is what I want to be. Uh, my wife is one of those who, who discovered when she was young, you know, what she wanted, what her passion was and pursued it and, you know, found success. How did you, I mean, it's one thing to be exposed to that, right, at the age of 11. But talk to me about, you know, what, what is it? What was it about you as a person, maybe your family, that allowed you to say, oh, that's what I want to be? So uh, I would say, first of all, uh, for people who know me, it, this is not a surprise at all. I just have a very um, decisive personality. Uh, I would say that that's probably one of my best traits. Um, I can decide pretty quickly that I want to undertake something. And I think that... Um, you know, the poise and the uh, intellect that was displayed by the character Claire Huxtable on The Cosby Show, the cleverness, um, all of those elements, I think, even at such a young age, resonated with me um, as a child. And quite frankly, um, I've always been argumentative. I've always been supremely logical. Um, and it just it's kind of just a natural fit for my personality. I'm sure that a lot of attorneys uh, would say the same thing. Uh, there are just traits that are very common with people who are attorneys. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, so what you're saying, it sounds like, is that my 14, my 12-year-old daughter, who is, um, I don't want to say argumentative, but always likes to debate, <laughs> she has a good chance at perhaps becoming a lawyer. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Awesome, awesome. So uh, one follow-up question to that. So, you know, I've mentioned this in other podcasts is, you know, typically a person's horizon is directly correlated to their exposure, right? And so, you know, mm-hmm. take someone who has been who's been surrounded by physicians or those that practice medicine, mm-hmm. et cetera. Chances are that individual um, will find some some career in healthcare. Take someone who's been exposed to just a family that that's filled with hard working individuals across many industries. You know, whether it's doctor, lawyer. Uh, entrepreneur, whatever the case may be. Did you have any of that in, in your family background? That kind of that, that 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 sense of being decisive. You mentioned that. Where does that come from? Your your ability to um, see logical see logic easily. Where where do you think that comes from? What what? Um, I would say so. My parents are immigrants. I'm an immigrant. Uh, I immigrated from this country when I was just about two years old. Uh, my family's from Jamaica. Uh, my mother is, well, she's retired now, but she was a registered nurse. My father has always worked in the telecommunications industry, um, whether it was in Jamaica or when he came to this country. Um, I have been around, you know, hardworking, disciplined, uh, very much like go-getter parents, you know, my entire life. And even now in retirement, they're doing other things. I mean, they're they're full-time, essentially full-time entrepreneurs. They're retired from working from others, but... Um, I, I really have great role models in my parents and then my broader family, my extended family, obviously they're immigrants as well. We all came from Jamaica. They are, a number of them are Ivy League educated. Um, and, you know, they have various professions. One is a, two are professors, uh, two are attorneys. They weren't attorneys when I was a young child. They weren't, you know, they hadn't reached that, that part of their journey yet. But I definitely have people around me that are inspirational, that are inspiring. And, you know, I have, you know, just a lot of, I think I just have a lot of really good support and I have parents who push me to be the best. And I think that's an an incredibly important component of all of this. It's not just my own personality, my own personality traits being decisive, logical, whatever, intelligent. That's great. I also had parents who saw that with, even with all those traits, I could be pushed a little bit more. And I think for me, um, that was a huge, that has played a huge part in my success. No, that's, that's amazing. And, um, one, one question, a generic question a little bit, did you ever get a chance to meet Claire Huxable or? Uh, no, I've never <laughs> met Felicia Rashad, but I mean, she's still obviously now in her seventies, such a, such a classy woman and, uh, still carries herself with such grace and such poise. And I'm sure she imbued a lot of that, obviously, into Claire Huxtable, the character. But uh, it would be my pleasure someday to, to meet Felicia Rashad in person. But I uh, will obviously always yeah, admire her. I from saw afar. her on something not too long ago, the past 90 days, and she epitomizes grace. And uh, I was talking with someone about how the Huxtables just molded a, a whole generation of us who came up during that era. But um, is it possible, or can yeah. you do this, for example? Um, you mentioned other attorneys. You're a trademark attorney. Looks like you do a lot, but can, yes. for our listeners, can you um, trademark patents, uh, rights, and the sure. you know, uh, music? 
intellectual property, property and everyone's aware of this Kanye stuff with the, the contracts and the music. And if you can just maybe just define what the difference is or not the difference, but trademark versus music rights or, sure. or any of things that's somewhat relevant to what's going on in the current affairs. Well, all of it is relevant, uh, but the two, so there are five main types of intellectual property, uh, just for your listeners, um, you know, just for, just for their own knowledge, there are trademarks, copyrights, patents, trade secrets, and something called trade dress. So those are the five main types for our purposes today. Let's focus on trademarks and copyrights. Let me just tell you what the difference is. So a trademark is a form of intellectual property that protects branding elements. A branding element is something like a brand name, a logo, a slogan, a color scheme. Um, the example that I always use is the uh, McDonald's slogan. So first of all, we have the Golden Arches. That's a logo. That's a trademark, obviously owned by the McDonald's Corporation. We have the slogan, I'm loving it. That's a trademark, a slogan trademark owned by the McDonald's Corporation. And then we have the ba-da-ba-ba-ba, which everyone recognizes. Um, that is a sound trademark registered to the registered by the McDonald's corporation. So there are various types of trademarks and obviously the the name McDonald's that's another trademark a name trademark that they own. They own by the way dozens and dozens of trademarks uh the McDonald's corporation. So that's what a trademark is. It protects brand identity elements, name, logo, slogan, color scheme, unique hashtags, sounds, etc. Now, a copyright is a completely different type of intellectual property. A copyright protects work that you've created. You can think of it as authored works. You can think of it as content. Let me give you some examples of work that works that can be protected by copyright. Well, uh, music composition, so a song, uh, screenplay, a book, um, photographs that a photographer has taken, blog posts that you've posted on your website. Those are all examples of works uh, that can be protected by copyright. So those are the that's the, those are the two main differences. And right now you're hearing a lot about trademarks um, and copyrights and contracts for the mat for that matter. You brought up, you know, Kanye West, I guess now known as Ye. We won't talk about all the other things that he's into, but in terms of his business, uh, you know, in terms of his business ventures, we know that he was in business with both the Gap and Adidas, and seemingly those partnerships are have ended or will come to an end very soon. Um, and then there is some dispute regarding who owns which trademarks. The Yeezy, it, it appears that um, Yeezy may own the trademark for the name Yeezy, but the actual product names, like there's Yeezy Boost, that's one of the sneakers that, you know, the Boost is the brand name. Um, the Yeezy is the brand name, but Boost is the product name, rather. Boost is apparently a trademark owned by the Adidas Corporation. So at this juncture, it looks like Ye may own the Yeezy name, the actual, just this Yeezy name that may be trademarked, but the product names that are under that brand name apparently belong to Adidas. Um, and then there are obviously copyright issues related to music. Um, you know, not just, not just Kanye. I mean, uh, people are getting sued left and right. Taylor Swift, many others, Ed Sheeran regarding, um, copyright infringement, people taking parts maybe knowingly or unknowingly taking parts of other songs and not giving them credit and not paying them, compensating them for, you know, they may, may be lyrics. It's usually melodies. It's not usually lyrics. It's usually melodies. Um, but nonetheless, uh, those are some of the issues that we see in the press today. Intellectual property is only going to become more important as we increasingly 
advance in the digital in the digital age. We know that the metaverse is something that um, not just Meta, the com- the company formerly known as Facebook, but not just Meta. We know that many other companies are working on the metaverse. As we become more and more digital, intellectual property like trademarks and copyrights will become more and that, more important. Ooh, fascinating. I I really appreciate that, and I know our listeners were will appreciate that as well because. Um, a lot of, I mean, with my naive perspective, I just blended the two and thanks for identifying the five different categories. But as one, just one follow-up, because as I, all these rappers, they talk about, I own my masters. I don't own my masters. Ray Charles own his masters. Are yeah. masters copyrights or trademarks? It seems like it should be copyright because it's content, but. Oh, so they just call it, is that it's abbreviated so- slang for copyright as masters or is that a. No. So you can copyright individual songs. You can copyright an entire body of work. I mean, normally individual songs are copyrighted, Um, but you can. So trademark law and copyright law overlap somewhat. But in terms of when people are talking about owning their masters, it's, it's actually not just related to copyright law, but really also related to contract law. Um, So someone may uh, be able to tour, obviously, and record and do all of these things, but in terms of the publishing rights to the songs, which is how you get paid in the music industry, um, the the, the song rights essentially may be owned by another third, you know, another party, usually the record company, one of the record companies. Um, So it's actually very, very complex, but when they talk about owning their masters, it's an issue of contract law and it's an issue of copyright law. It's it's multiple you know legal areas that we are talking about. Makes sense. I do have some follow-up questions related to trademark law, but I also am curious before I, I ask you about that. What made you get into mm-hmm. this area of of law versus you know the myriad number of other areas of law? Well, this is my second act, which is really interesting. So I am 45. I've been out of law school now for uh, 20 years. I graduated from law school when I was 25 years old. I went right from undergrad to Ooh. law school. Um, and I've had a, I am not a typical attorney. I think that's very cliche. Probably many, many attorneys Ooh. say that. But I really have had a very unusual journey. Um, prior to starting my own firm <laughs> during okay. the pandemic in uh, July of 2020, prior to doing that, I actually worked in a non-attorney position. I had a director level position at a privately owned company that was worth half a billion dollars uh, that sold products related to the construction industry. So I've practiced law. I've been, uh, you know, an executive. I've done kind of a lot of different things. And what made me, to answer your question, what made me want to go into trademark law? So I'm a business attorney. I'm a trademark attorney. I handle trademarks, copyrights, contracts, um, I've done business sales. I, I, I am a business attorney that focuses heavily on trademark law, but my interest in business law in general comes from working for a privately owned company and being at a, a at a pretty high level. I mean, at, at the time I reported to the SVP for operations who reported wow. to the CEO. So, um, I, I feel very comfortable 
uh, that I have a pretty good understanding of how the business world works. I feel very comfortable that I have a pretty good understanding of the different elements of a business, especially a larger business. You know, on a day-to-day basis, I not only had to work with the people who were associated with what I was doing, not just like regulatory affairs and quality control and research and development, but sales, marketing, finance, operations. I mean, my job um, pretty much touched every area of the business. So I think my general interest in business law comes from working for a business prior to doing this. And by the way, prior to that, I was working as an environmental attorney, which is how I got into working for that business. Um, So this is kind of like, it may even be like my third act. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I, I... I am someone who likes change. Um, I'm someone who likes to challenge myself. So this is, when I say like my third act, I don't know, my life may have like five (laughs) or six acts. I really, I mean, I'm I'm very serious. Like I, next year, you know, you might talk to me and I might be a life coach. Like I don't, I don't limit myself in my thinking. I have skill sets that I'm educated, right? So obviously, I mean, I have an undergraduate degree. I have a law degree. I have skill sets that I've developed using my education, working at different companies, nonprofits, whatever. And those are skills that can be applied to many different things. And so I don't limit my thinking, thinking that, oh, I can only do this or only do that. Um, So yeah, I'm generally interested in business. I love branding, especially, and trademarks deal with branding elements. So to even be more specific, that's kind of why I've honed in on trademarks. But I just love business. I love entrepreneurship. My father was an entrepreneur as well as working full-time. He always had a side hustle. And now he's a full-time entrepreneur, mm-hmm. basically, in retirement, as I said, from working for others. But he works for himself. I, I don't know. I just This is just this is what I've been exposed to and what I actually yeah. enjoy. And it shows. I can hear it in your, your, your passion uh, comes through as you share you know, your knowledge and experience around this. Tell me this, uh, during the start of COVID, 2020-ish, a lot of people, um, fortunately, decided, well, this is a great opportunity for me to get out and start my own business, hang my shingle. So for you, what was the greatest challenge or set of challenges in Mm -hmm. making that decision and then executing it? Mm -hmm. So let me be very honest, and this is probably something that a lot of people will be like, you know, they'll be surprised that I'm even sharing this, but my position from the company that I just described, where I'd worked for about seven years, was eliminated. And they gave me a severance package, um, and then I thought I could get a better severance package, quite frankly, so I renegotiated, and I did. I got a a better severance package. It wasn't bad to begin with, but I got an even better one. And the hardest thing about starting this business was starting my firm was making the decision to do that after having my position eliminated, which quite frankly shakes your confidence. I mean, whether your position is eliminated or whether you're fired for some other cause or whatever, when your job is gone, it really doesn't matter so much. It's the fact that it's gone. And I think that, um, that experience really kind of shook my confidence. But thankfully, when I renegotiated that severance package, one of the things that was added was some career counseling. And it was in working with a career counselor for about three, four months. She was awesome, by the way. The career counselor helped me to realize that I have an entrepreneurial like mindset, spirit, whatever you want to call it, and it might be a good idea to start my own mm. business. And so it's like a blessing in disguise, like many things in life, um, as cliche as that sounds, it's true. If I had not been essentially, you know, pushed because my position was eliminated, 
uh, I may not have started this firm. It's something that I toyed with. I mean, I found like business plans going back to like 2008 or whatever, like way before I had Ooh. that job um, that was eliminated. I found business plans like on my computer in some old files um, that I transfer over to my new computer. Like, so I've had this, I've been toying with this idea on and off for years, but I needed something to push me. I would say in this case, because quite frankly, I had a very good job before everybody was working from home. I had been living in Los Angeles and then I was able to actually, they allowed me to move back to Atlanta Ooh. and work from home um, and just travel as needed. Like they, at, they really valued me obviously until they didn't. So uh, that's, that's the nature of corporate America. But um, so I had a really good thing going. And so I don't think I would have done that, but for having this thing, you know, this experience, this, these circumstances pushed me to do this. But once I worked with the career coach and she helped me figure out, you know, what my strengths were and so on. After that, it was basically, it was on because then my confidence came back. Once I was like, oh, I can, I can definitely do this. I, I can definitely do this. And so, you know, everything that everything happens for a reason. Truly, I really believe that. So that's how that's how I ended up where I am. And today. the greatest reward so far in terms of just having your own business. What's been the greatest or feeling or reward for you so far? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it's just a lot of fun. It's, it's hard work. I'm not, I don't want people to be fooled. I mean, I'm very um, upfront about this. Running your own business is, especially in the beginning, because I'm only like two years and a few months in. Um, my anniversary, my second anniversary of the business was July 31st uh, of this year. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I love all this decision-making because this is, this is what I do. This is what I've always been. This is who I've always been. I don't run from decision-making. I love all the decision-making. I love thinking about all the options and possible outcomes and all. It's a lot of fun for me. Um, I get to think outside the box on a daily basis. I would say that has been incredibly rewarding. And also I just have some really cool clients. Um, I have clients that, let me tell I have some amazing clients. They do all kinds of things. I have a client that works um, with domestic violence uh, people who are domestic violence victims and want to have healthy relationships. I have a client who, you know, started a liquor business. I have, a, I mean, literally like, it's like, they're all so different and they're also interesting. I have a client who runs a restaurant. I have, I just have all kinds of clients. And so they're very inspiring. The work that they're doing is so interesting. They're grinding. They inspire me to grind too. It's, I would say those two things, just being able to, you know, really fully inhabit the person that I am because this business sink or swim is built right now around me. So being able to inhabit my full self and then working with some amazing people that has been the most rewarding. And all of that to me has been a lot of fun, but this is hard. I don't want anybody to be confused. Um, this entrepreneurship is very challenging. Oh, that's, um, <laughs> I, I, I was taking notes as you were speaking because the when you mentioned confidence and it's it's like you you graduated with law school at 25 and this amazing career is just phenomenal mm -hmm. that with all your accolades and everything you're you're human and you still that that confidence or maybe not fear but that whatever it was we're always walking around the edge of the pool do we jump into our own world and do our entrepreneurial stuff or what is the catalyst? And mm -hmm. we had a, another podcast speaker and 
she mentioned that similar thing that was she would still be in her job, but then when her job was repositioned or repurposed, that was kicked her into the realm of creating her own, which is amazing. Um, the question I have for you is, is, is once again, um, I, I think you're the first uh, trademark attorney or attorney and, and environmental attorney. Uh, energy is real big. I mean, everyone's mm -hmm. talking about Putin and he's turning off the energy over the in Europe. From an energy mm -hmm. perspective, were you doing like OSHA or EPA or... I was doing all of that, but not based on energy. My specialty was a very, very like, uh, it's an extremely small niche within environmental law, which is the regulation of chemicals in consumer and industrial products. That's what, they're probably less than, I would guess in this country, probably less than 500 attorneys in this country who do that kind of work. It's like extremely niche. Um, but I was an environmental lawyer for a long time. So all of that is, you know, all of it is interrelated. Obviously, petrochemicals are are derived from oil. I mean, that's <laughs> so it's all it's all inter it's all and, interrelated. And when you say you're, there's like it's a it's a niche of a niche of law that you when you're in grad school or law school, yes. you say, oh, I like this. Or were you channeled there or was it a conscious decision to end up in environmental law? I, want, I thought I was going to be a real estate attorney. I graduated from law school in 2002. Um, and n not long after that was like a, a mild recession, not knowing that the really bad recession was a few years off after that. But um, I, I thought I was going to be a real, real estate attorney. I'm glad that I didn't become one. Um, but eventually I kind of found, it's kind of hard to explain, but I kind of just found myself in this area of like public health chemicals in the environment. And so that's what I did for many years. Um, it's, it's almost like I kind of stumbled upon it, but it was a good fit because it required me to have like more than a rudimentary understanding of chemistry, which is so, I have a social science background. My undergraduate degree um, is in political science from Emory. I don't have a physical science background, but I, you know, am sensible enough, I guess, to, you know, be able to learn and adapt. So that learning about uh, the regulation of chemicals as it pertains to, you know, environmental law forced me to do more studying and to just become very knowledgeable about a lot of things that I hadn't previously been exposed to because that was not my area of interest when I was in college or law school. So yeah, that, that was a, that was an interesting time. Um, it was a good challenge, and uh, yeah, that was one of my acts. But now I'm now I'm. No, that trade is so cool. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, that's awesome. So let me let me ask you this, Stacey. So, um, so, and you probably get asked this a lot, uh, being a trademark attorney. Probably some silly questions, but this isn't one of them. <laughs> so, back in the '90s, uh, NBA teams were starting to three-peat. So um, mm -hmm. the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers at the time, Pat Riley, thought, oh, I'm going to trademark this because mm -hmm. people are going to start saying three-peat. Mm -hmm. um, he did, to my knowledge, he did. And apparently, you know, he got some money from that. Recently, um, um, Deion Saunders, the coach of the Jackson State uh, Jaguars, HBCU, Yes, yeah, he actually, yeah, he, he made the switch yesterday. <laughs> he announced last night, yeah. Yep. So um, mm -hmm. he, he had this interview where he and this other coach uh, got into a little bit, and he said during the interview, he said, if I'm not swag, 
who is swack and that started trending how easy would it be mm-hmm. for me to do what pat riley did and say you know what i'm going to trademark who is swack <laughs> and be successful and make a killing Okay, so this is the thing about trademarks, which is there is there are there are mechanisms built into trademark law. So trademarks, first of all, you all should know are uh, basically the domain of an agency called the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. They're actually in Alexandria, Virginia. Okay, and by the way, whereas copyrights are the domain of the U.S. Copyright Office, which okay. is in D.C. So anyway, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the U.S. PTO, is responsible for promulgating the regulations. Uh, that are, uh, you know, essentially an outflow of the laws that Congress has passed and presidents have signed into law regarding trademarks. So there are mechanisms built in to make sure that people don't do what you basically are suggesting, which is to trademark squat. When you have a trademark, when you apply for a trademark, okay, you have to basically be able to prove that you have been using this trademark or that you plan to use it. So either that you've been using it or that you plan to use it. There are two different types of trademark applications. I won't get into all of those minor details now. But essentially, you can't just take a phrase that someone else has used or that you saw somebody use on TV and decide that you're going to trademark it. Now, you can get away with that with domain names, interestingly enough. Um, To some extent, you can get away with that, although there have been some court rulings that, like, if if you trademark a, a famous celebrity's domain name, or if you, if you not trademark, but if you register a domain name that is essentially derived from a famous celebrity celebrity's name, because of trademark law, you basically have to give up that domain. But if it's, if it's just like a phrase that someone has uttered or whatever, you could probably get away with that, honestly, okay. to be very honest, by registering the domain name and then trying to hold it for ransom. In yeah, fact, yeah, a yeah. lot of people do that. I'm not encouraging right. you to do that. Just keep in mind, I'm not encouraging anyone to do that. But there are, especially people in other countries, mm. Russia, honestly, China, who do exactly mm. that. They'll hear a phrase or whatever and literally go and register mm. the name um, as a domain and then contact the person who said it and say, I'll sell this domain name to you for 100000 a right. million, whatever it is, right? Um, but with trademarks, it's different. Uh, trademarks, you really have to prove like that the, the trademark has a connection to your business. So if you didn't utter right. the phrase, um, you're going to have a difficult time proving. And even if, you, even if you try to file an application for a trademark for future use, at some point you're going to have to prove that the trademark has something to do with your, your commercial enterprise. And that's where people get tripped up because often they won't be able to prove it because it's not theirs. They didn't utter the phrase. They're not marketing anything with the phrase. Um, and sometimes people will try to do that. Sometimes people will try to, you know, make t-shirts based off. We see this all the right. time in pop culture. Um, someone utters an interesting phrase and, you know, for example, fat Joe, yesterday's right. price is not today's price. Um, you know, by the way, he's tried to, I believe the application is still pending. He's trying to register that trademark for that phrase. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Um, so it, it gets a little bit complicated, but I, I want to tell you that, um, it's harder to do that with trademarks. Like I said, just because there are fail safes built in. If you can't really prove you're using or going to use this, this trademark, you're not going to get it registered. So it's kind of a waste of your time. And then here's another question. So We're coming towards the um, final, final uh, part of the of the interview here. So I want to ask you a a um, serious question, but not too intense question. 
So I, I, mm-hmm. I came across you on Instagram and your content's fire. It's just, you know, you have, I don't, I don't even know, just 30 seconds. It might be 10 seconds of these, of these, <laughs> just, you know, bits of knowledge, these pearls of wisdom that at the very least pique your curiosity and also make you think. But also, I mean, you can't help but notice the style. So, have you ever considered becoming a stylist <laughs> consultant? I mean, all of your posts, like, it's just the frames and the glasses, the gear, the... I'm sure I'm not the first person that's told you this. Am I, am I the first person? Well, no. So, it's interesting. You're not the first person who has told me that they like what they like the things that I'm wearing, but you're the first person to suggest that I might uh, be... You know, good as a stylist. You are hey, the it's first a revenue stream. That's a revenue stream. <laughs> Consider it. <laughs> well, okay, Cam, okay. You, Cam. Before we, we, we have this session of a part of our podcast is what we call our final four questions. But when I was looking at your site, I noticed you were standing next to um, a chart or a, a phrase that says live a great story. Is that your trademark or is that something you yes. read somewhere? Or because I it, it caught my attention and I was like, that is so appropriate. Live a great story. So I just wanted to see what was the story behind that? Is that your quote or did you take that from someone? And and then I'll move into the title. There's actually it's funny that you that you would ask that. Um, so apparently there's actually a brand that says something like that, like Live a Great Story, that I believe I stumbled across them on Instagram. But that was after I had already saw this sign, like in Home Goods or something, and I was going to do a photo shoot for my website. That was actually the main um, photo on my website uh, for a long time when you hit the homepage. I've since changed it. But that was actually the main photo on my website for a long time, uh, where I had this little sign that says, like, Live a Great Story. And honestly, it's just a good life philosophy. I mean, it, it really is. I, I More than anything, when I speak to people, because for whatever reason, people ask me to, you know, be a guest on their Instagram live. I've been on a number of podcasts. People have talked to me about going. I've, I've even done, I've, you know, recorded an episode for uh, an internet, like, uh, you know, business type show. I've done all kinds of things. People have asked me to share my knowledge, but I'm an attorney. So that I would assume that's the main reason, but people will often ask me just about like general life advice. And so if I could leave anything, you know, with you all, with your listeners, it's that don't, don't be in this box. Like we're not here that long, really. And truly, that's why I keep saying like, I don't, I'm probably in my third act. I mean, who knows how many acts I'll have. God willing, I hope I have at least five or six. Do not put yourselves in a box and feel like you have to stay in this box. I think about my life and the life of the people that I love, the lives of the people that I love, um, my, my family, my friends, and I think about all the different possibilities that exist out there. Yes, I'm an attorney. I've also worked in the business world. I'm, I'm very serious that when I say like next year, you may find that I open up like a life coaching business on the side. Um, I just think about all of the possibilities and having as many life experiences as possible to have an enriching life. And so that's my general philosophy. And when I saw this little sign in home goods, I was like, I'm going to use this in the photo shoot. Uh, and that's that's awesome. Because <laughs> we had another podcast guest and he's, Similar concept. He's like, try life on. Just try it. Try different things in your life. Try all these experiences. So thank you for that uh, definition, explanation. But 
Now we're gonna wrap it up with these final four questions, and and I'll give you two. Andre will give you two. But the question I have for you first is, if you were to have dinner with anyone alive or dead, who would you want to? Who are the three other representatives you would want to have at your dinner table, and why? You know, that's an those are that's an interesting question. So um, my favorite book, probably of all time, uh, work of nonfiction, the autobiography of Malcolm X by uh, Alex Haley. Um, I would like to sit and have dinner with Malcolm X. Uh, that book was the 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 thought processes, the change in um, the the change in thinking, the introspection, all of that. I think. People probably don't give Malcolm X enough credit. I think a lot of people think of Malcolm X in one way, and I think that he was much, um, much more conscious, much more self-aware, even I think than people give him credit for. So that's that's the first person I would love to sit um, and have dinner with Malcolm X. Obviously, he is long past, but you know, if it, if I could make it happen, I would definitely do it. Um, the second person I think I might like to sit down and speak with is very similarly Tupac Ooh. Shakur, um, who is also obviously deceased, but he's another person who I find really, he's very, he just had, there's something about Tupac, his level of introspection and his level of understanding how to communicate effectively. He would have made an amazing Ooh. politician if he had lived a sort of different life. I would not be surprised if he were still alive. I wouldn't be surprised if he were, you know, uh, very well advanced in politics. I'm very serious. Um, and that's something else that I admire. I will just say this blanketly. The people that I, I'm picking probably are people that I really admire their ability to communicate and communicate effectively. So with that being said, the third person that I would pick is also someone who is not alive. And that person would be Ooh. Abraham Lincoln. When I was um, in undergrad, I actually took a whole semester's course on the political theory of Abraham Lincoln, and it's very complex, and we don't have time to go into all of that right now. But um, I really, again, admire people who can think and actually effectively communicate. Um, and that is something that I try to do in my own messaging. Obviously, you talked about my videos on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok. Um, very short, but I try to communicate, I try to be very direct and I try to communicate in a way that pretty much almost anyone can understand. And so I would say those three people for various reasons, but all sort of centering around introspection and communication. Those are the people Ooh, that I would pick. I like that. Thank you. Like that. Yeah. Tupac is, I would agree with you 110%. He was, I think more, much more complex than people realized, um, you know, yes. his, he, he was a poet. Um, people, some people didn't realize that even though he's a rapper, when I say poet, you know, actually wrote, wrote, you know, things of substance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he's someone that someone I would definitely want to have dinner with too, because of that. So, okay, here's my question for you. So, uh, to date, going far back as you'd like professionally or personally, um, what has been your greatest success? Ooh, um, I would say my greatest success, honestly, is just really being who I am and inhabiting my full self. That's when I talked about this earlier, that's what entrepreneurship has allowed me to continue to, to do. 
people who know me, I am who I am. I'm very consistent in my behaviors, attitudes, decisions, thought processes, whatever. I, I really embrace being who I am. And that's not always good. You know, there is, I am not a perfect person. I definitely have my flaws. That is not always good. And I, I seek to grow and learn from my experiences where I made bad decisions or whatever. Um, but I also really am, I lean into me and I would encourage all of you to do the same who are listening, lean into who you are. We're all unique for a reason. There is a reason that even if we, I was an identical twin, I would still be different than my twin. That it's just, there's a reason that we're all different. It's because we need all of these different strengths and weaknesses combined to balance, to balance the world out. Yeah. You, you know, what resonates with me when you say that is that, you know, we live in a world where it's designed almost to compare you to someone else and almost make you feel uncomfortable yes. because you don't have what someone else has. You don't look like someone else, especially for women. You know, I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned I have a daughter I just, I feel for her because, yes. you know, when I see my son interact with his buddies versus her interacting with her friends, it's completely different. And just, again, generally a society is, is situated in such a way that we're constantly comparing ourselves, making ourselves, uh, things that cause ourselves to become insecure. So the fact that you realize, hey, this is who I am. I love who I am. I am who I'm supposed to be. I do hope that resonates with our listeners because that's a very important message. So. So my second, uh, third question is, from from your perspective, with all of your experiences and education, what would you say is your superpower? Really and truly, my superpower is that I can synthesize a lot of information in a very short period of time and communicate it to people effectively. Okay. Yeah, that's like a super duper power. Because uh, <laughs> I'll read a paragraph three times and, and scratch my head a couple times <laughs> before, I, before I call a friend. <laughs> Me too. I'll, I'll Google it three times. Like, all right. right, 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 right. But like you said, I'm comfortable with who I am. <laughs> okay, so um, the last one here is um, think back, you know, in terms of your life as a whole. Uh, if you were to write a biography, what would the title be? Ooh, no one has ever asked me that. Um, I really want to, I would really refer to, uh, someone asked me this actually in another interview, and I, I say the phrase that I live by is uh, one by Charles Darwin, who's a, a, an atheist. I'm a Christian, but obviously he's a well-known atheist. And the phrase is adapt or die from the origin of species. Uh, the book that he wrote when Whoa. he studied the various animals in, in the Galapagos Islands. Um, I I really believe, like, probably adapt or die or some version of that, um, you know, would be would be what I would call my book because it would be the title. I am a firm believer in uh, effectively responding to change. There are some people, and it, the world is, is made up of different types of people, so I, I fully understand that. But the people who respond effectively to change are the people who make the most impact on not only their individual families, their communities, but society as a whole. Change is inevitable and learning how to not only anticipate, but respond effectively to change is incredibly important. So yes, adapter. I like it. I like it. So, um, before Kevin brings us home here, um, 
two questions for you. Is there anything, a little nugget or anything that, that uh, we failed to ask or that you want to share about yourself with our listeners? And then I have one more follow-up question after that. Sure. I would say, um, you know, speaking about when you mentioned your daughter and just overhearing conversations and realizing the kind of conversations and the things that you've heard when she speaks to her friends, very different from what you hear your son, you know, having conversations with his friends. I would say this, this is incredibly important. And this is one of the reasons why I present myself the way that I do to the world on social media, Instagram, TikTok, wherever. Um, I am someone who shaved my head. Okay. My hair doesn't grow long anyway, but whatever. I shave my head. I don't wear lashes. Now I'm not against these things. I just want to be very clear. I'm not against wearing lashes, wearing weaves. I've done all of them different times, but at this point in my life at 45 years old, I want to make this incredibly clear. I've shaved my head. I don't wear, I'm not pretending to do anything. I don't use filters in my videos. This is really who I am. And I want, if I'm presenting myself to the world, I want to present myself in the way that I truly am. And this is, this is an incredibly important lesson for everyone because I realize, and I've, I know this because they, they've DM'd me, I have young people in high school and college like sending me messages like, hey, I saw one of your videos, I'm interested in being an attorney, and I've spoken with them. You know, going back and forth and saying, hey, what, what kind of attorney do you think you want to be? Blah, blah, blah. There are always people watching. There are always people watching what you're doing. So you might as well really be true to who you are in, in how you, you know, show yourself, how you represent yourself to the world, because you might just be giving someone else the courage to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. Uh, this is a good point to ask, how can people connect with you? Uh, whether it's social media, website, uh, which, what's the best methods for our audience to reach out to you? Well, I am, uh, I am very easy to find. I am at stacyanntaylorlaw.com. That is my firm's website. It's S-T-A-C-E-Y-A-N-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R-L-A-W.com. Stacy with an E-Y, stacyanntaylorlaw.com. Um, I, you can directly book a trademark uh, or even you know, a, an other business law-related call with me, a free 15-minute call. You can schedule an appointment directly from my website. You can fill out my con- contact form on the, on the firm site if you want to you know, drop me a message, if you have a question. You can also find me. I'm super active on Instagram and TikTok. Same, Stacy and Taylor Law. Again, Stacy with an E-Y. And you can DM me. People DM me all the time. Um, I'm, I'm very responsive. I'm not one of these attorneys who is difficult to find. Um, I'm very awesome. easy to find. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> well, Stacy. we really appreciate your time, your candor, your, you sharing your amazing experiences and your, in your amazing acts and stages of your journey with our, with our listeners. And, and we really appreciate you. Dre and Smiley, it has been my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation.